Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. Hello and welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, Fansided's latest NFL podcast inside the Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo and man, what a busy offseason this has been, especially at the quarterback position and what a busy Friday it became with the blockbuster trade that went down between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins that swaps the first round picks with the Dolphins and the Niners. San Francisco moves up to the number three overall pick. The Dolphins move back to number 12. They get a future first round pick. They get a third round pick. But this was a move that really shapes the quarterback position for both of those franchises for years to come. Because if you're trading up to number three, the first pick behind the Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence and the Jets taking either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, if you're San Francisco, you're moving up to go get a quarterback. And if you look back to how the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan coached in that Super Bowl two years ago, especially in the second half against the Kansas City Chiefs when everything started to go sideways, it was obvious they didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't view Jimmy Garoppolo as the future of that franchise, and they're going to go get their quarterback, whether that's Trey Lance or whether that's Fields or whether that's Zach Wilson, who the Jets went to the BYU Pro Day on Friday, and they sent their three decision makers. They sent their offensive coordinator, they sent Robert Saleh, the head coach, and they sent GM Joe Douglas. So either their interest in Zach Wilson is very legitimate, or this is the kind of smokescreen that drives up the price for a team who wants to go and get a quarterback and the Niners just shot their shot they went up to number three so if the Jets have designs on keeping Sam Darnold who when you talk to some people around the league believe that's the case that they don't think that the Jets are going to move on from Darnold that they're going to move to build around him with a Jamar Chase or a Jalen Waddle or a Kyle Pitts in the first round and put some weapons along with Corey Davis around Sam Darnold well that just means that a quarterback needy team can jump San Francisco if the Jets decide to move back. So it's going to be really fascinating stuff. And I think through this first week of free agency, there have been a lot of teams that have really helped themselves. And there have been a lot of teams who have made a conscientious decision to build around their young quarterback, add to the weapons, and try to take that next step. And I think one team that has really gone above and beyond to do that is the team I cover for GMNHQ.com, the New York Giants. And, you know, you look at the moves the Giants made, this has really been an offseason in a free agency period that's been a little bit out of character for Dave Gettleman. And I think that Gettleman and the Giants deserve a lot of credit because in the span of 48 hours, the Giants went out and they brought in Kenny Galladay for a visit and they signed the best available wide receiver in free agency. They finally gave Daniel Jones a true number one wide receiver, something he hasn't had through the first two seasons of his career. And that's an earth-shattering type of move, not only for the Giants, but across the NFC East. Because 
if the Giants are going to make a full determination and evaluation of Daniel Jones and whether or not he's a franchise quarterback or if they need to make a similar move next spring to what the Niners just did in their trade with the Dolphins in next year's draft, they need to surround him with legitimate weapons. And the Giants are going to get Saquon Barkley back. They're going to hope to get more production and more consistency out of Evan Ingram. And adding in a guy like Kyle Rudolph, who had three red zone touchdowns a year ago, hasn't dropped a pass in two years, and has as reliable hands as you're going to find of any tight end in the league. Those are the two type of moves that elevate your quarterback situation. They give your quarterback the opportunity to go out and prove that he's a number one quarterback in this league, that he's a franchise quarterback that you can return to the postseason with, that you can win championships with potentially down the line. And I don't really care that the Giants guaranteed Kenny Galladay up to $42 million. I don't even care that they overpaid a bit compared to market value because they needed Kenny Galladay more than any other team needed Kenny Galladay or a number one wide receiver. It would have been complete malpractice and it would have done no service to the evaluation or the development of Daniel Jones to send him back out there next year with a wide receiving core of Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and David Sills. You just can't do it. Dante Pettis is a nice player, has some potential, has some upside, but the Giants got substantially better on offense by going out and signing Kenny Galladay and even John Ross, who, you know, he's a straight line speed guy. Maybe a change of scenery helps, maybe improved and consistent quarterback play compared to the injury plagued situations at quarter. If you have ED, Peak Performance for Men has the solution you've been waiting for. Get six treatments free with qualifying treatment protocol enrollment. Call Columbus's only trusted focused linear compression therapy provider today at 614-739-8181. That's 614-739-8181. Back the last two years, even with Joe Burrow going down last year, maybe that brings out some of the best in John Ross. But in addition to going and getting Kenny Galladay, which elevates the offense and really has the chance to facilitate Jones's development, the Giants went out and they plugged their second biggest need and their most glaring deficiency on defense at outside cornerback opposite James Bradbury signing Adoree Jackson. And, you know, you look at the Giants' secondary, and James Bradbury is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. He's probably one of the top 10 to 12 cover cornerbacks in the league, maybe even a little bit better than that. And the Giants went out and got a dynamic 25-year-old former first-round pick to pair opposite him. And again, they overpaid, but I don't care about the overpay. We've seen this offseason, not only with the Giants, who entered with very limited cap space, but around the league, that the salary cap only matters so much. I talk to agents about this every week. I've talked to people on the team side of this the last couple weeks, that when it comes to free agency, the salary cap is a bit of a mirage, that the good players and the superstars are going to get paid. Now, we can debate whether Adoree Jackson is a superstar caliber player or just a really good upper echelon player, but he got paid. And I think that the Giants did what they had to do, though. They brought back Leonard Williams, and they still have the number 11 overall pick in the draft, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But they've done a really outstanding job, in my opinion, of filling their most glaring needs with top-of-market players in free agency. And I think that Dave Gettleman deserves a lot of credit for that. Now, you look at the NFC East, 
it's all really going to depend on Daniel Jones because I look at the Washington football team going out and getting Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a competent veteran quarterback who knows how to win. And you look at their supporting cast around him. You have a dynamic running back in Antonio Gibson, who's multifaceted, who's as much of a playmaker in the open field as a receiver as he is a running back. You have a top 10 receiver, maybe better than that, in Terry McLaurin. And when you go out and get Curtis Samuel, it's just another move of adding weapons to your offense. And I really think we're living through an arms race in the NFL because the teams that go to Super Bowls, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the teams that compete for Super Bowls, the Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers, it's about adding weapons around your quarterback. And the Giants did that. The Bills kept the band together and they went out and they got Curtis Samuel. The Chiefs kept the band together. The Buccaneers won a Super Bowl and brought everybody back. Chris Godwin, back. Rob Gronkowski, back. Mike Evans, back. Tom Brady, of course, back behind center. You win in the National Football League with weapons. And I think the Giants added their fair share of weapons through free agency. And I think that Dave Gettleman, for all the criticism that he's taken in the last couple of years, and rightfully so for a lot of the decisions and a lot of the mismanagement of the salary cap, deserves an equal amount of credit for what they were able to do this year. Are they going to win the division? I don't know. Because in addition to the weapons that the Washington football team has, they have arguably a top three front seven. You look at the Dallas Cowboys bringing Dak Prescott back, and they have CeeDee Lamb, and they have Amari Cooper, and they have a really strong defense themselves. It really feels like the NFC East is a three-team race, but the Giants improve their chances of competing for that division substantially. Now, another team that I think has done a really nice job through free agency is the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts went out, and they traded for Carson Wentz. They believed that they needed to substantially upgrade the quarterback position, and they had to do something after Philip Rivers retires. And I don't know that Carson Wentz is ever going to be the same Carson Wentz that he was in Philadelphia in 2017, but if there's one head coach in this league who can bring him back to that level, it's Frank Reich. And you have Press Taylor in Indianapolis, who's a friendly face and an ally to Carson Wentz, and you drop him into a situation where he's playing behind one of the top two to three offensive lines in the league, with a supporting cast that got better this week based on who they kept in T.Y. Hilton. And T.Y. Hilton's a guy that is a multifaceted dynamic receiver in his own right. And in 15 games last year, he catches 56 passes for 762 yards, five touchdowns, averages 13.6 yards per reception. And you have him in a receiving core with Michael Pittman Jr., a dynamic rookie who was in the mix for Offensive Rookie of the Year. You have an electrifying dominant downhill violent running back in Jonathan Taylor and you have a defense that's swarming with playmakers and I look at the Indianapolis Colts and they're one of those franchises that when you look at the hierarchy of the AFC you obviously have the Kansas City Chiefs and then everybody else but before you get to everybody else you have the teams that are on the cusp of playing for Super Bowls and I look at the situation with the Indianapolis Colts and I think in that division where you have Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville and they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall and they're going to get their quarterback and that's nice but I think it takes time and I think that there are just too many glaring needs and they did a nice job in free agency but I think there's too many needs to expect that to be a worst to first turnaround but you look at what's happening in the AFC South overall, and Deshaun Watson 
regardless of what happens with his legal situation. And, and you know, th that's a really complicated mess at this point where you have questions about the validity of the lawyers, of the women who are making these heinous claims against Deshaun Watson. And if he's found guilty of those incidents and if he's found civilly liable for those incidents, then the NFL rightfully should take swift action. But you don't know that Deshaun Watson isn't going to be traded by the Houston Texans if he's able to play in 2021 and beyond. And that's a situation where, from a Colts perspective, I think they're easily the best team in that division. And people are going to say, oh, Matt, you forgot about the Tennessee Titans. What about Tennessee? They're a nice story. And I think Derrick Henry is obviously one of the top two or three running backs in the league. I think that they, you know, looking at, at A.J. Brown, a pretty dominant true number one wide receiver, but there's just something about that team. Every year they seem to be in the mix, but every year they go up against a Pittsburgh Steeler team and they get punched in the face and they fade. They just seem to disappoint me every year in big games and their ceiling only seems so high. They'll get to the postseason, they might win 11 games, but they're not going to win one or two playoff games. Whereas Carson Wentz in Indianapolis... I think behind the best offensive line in the league with the wide receivers that he has, with the tight end that he has and Jack Doyle and the running back that he has, I think the Colts are a team that can really make a push for that Super Bowl run. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of effort to beat Kansas City, and I don't know that anybody's going to. But I think there are only three or four teams on that side of the bracket long term right now that have a legitimate chance of scaring Kansas City and maybe beating them if everything goes right in an AFC championship situation that's rushing the passer, that's controlling the football, running the ball effectively, and shutting down to a degree containing Patrick Mahomes. And I think that the, the Indianapolis Colts are one of the few teams that are built to do something like that with Carson Wentz. I think that there are a couple of teams in that mix. I think you look at the Buffalo Bills, and they go out and they bring in Emmanuel Sanders, adding him to a wide receiving core that already had Stephon Diggs, that already had Cole Beasley. That They go out and they bring in Jacob Hollister at tight end, adding to the weapons around Josh Allen, who, by the way, played with Allen in Wyoming. And I think they have the horses on offense, and they have enough playmakers on defense to give Kansas City a scare. The Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson, with a dominant defense, with Hollywood Brown. They're a team that can make noise. But there's another team in the AFC that I think not enough people are talking about, and that's the team that went into Arrowhead in the divisional playoff round and for a spell in that game put a bit of a scare into Kansas City and showed that they can hang with the Chiefs. And they have a young quarterback of their own, and they have a dynamic offense of their own, and they have a pair of really dominant running backs of their own. And oh, by the way one of the three to four best pass rushers in the league, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And I think the Browns are a team that's in a great spot here because I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lose Bud Dupree. You saw Ben Roethlisberger kind of start to leak oil down the stretch last year. And I think that the gap between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns is a lot narrower at the top of that division than it is the gap between the Steelers, the Bengals, in the bottom half of the AFC North. And what's going to happen in Cleveland? Where do they go from here? On the other side, we'll chat with Cleveland Browns legend, good friend of the program, Eric Metcalf will join the show. So stay right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, part of fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Support for the Matt Lombardo Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best men's below-the-belt grooming company out there. 
Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technological developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer just for my listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there. You don't want to use the same razor on your face that you use everywhere else. That's just gross. So in addition, this trimmer comes with an LED light for a more precise shave. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. And is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back, and we're joined now by Cleveland Browns legend and one of my favorite Twitter followers, Eric Metcalf. Eric, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. Of course, always great to talk football with you, Eric. And, you know, just looking at the Browns and their situation, it really seems like Baker Mayfield came into his own last year, had his highest passer rating of his career, even without Odell Beckham Jr. there for most of the season. They won 11 games, and he looks more and more like the player the Browns thought they were getting with the number one pick. What do you think is starting to click with him and how much better do you think he can be? You know, I, I think uh, it was what uh, the situation that Coach Stefanski put him in. I mean, you know, his first year, half the year with, with Hugh and, uh, and then with um, Coach Eric Kinches after that, it was tough. And so it was pass, pass, pass first instead of coming in like Coach Stefanski did, made it a, a run heavy a scheme, a lot of play action, which created a, a lot of space and gaps for him to throw in. Yeah, and how much better do you think he can be in that second year in Stefanski's system? Because you hear about it all the time, how important continuity is with a quarterback. And now that he goes into that second season in 2021, how much better do you think he can be this year? I think they can be a lot better. I mean, I think they can expand the playbook uh, more because now they'll have off season to, to, to get together and, and work on things. You know, last year was their, their first time getting together and they didn't, they had the pandemic year when they couldn't have the off season, the OTAs and all, and all that. And so it, it made it rough for them because the first time they got together was in camp. And so now having played a year, uh, being in the book more, being in person more, I think uh, with all the guys coming back, I think it's going to be a, a big year. And, and can they, like I said, they can expand and, I mean, run heavy for sure because that's who the Cleveland Browns are. They're a run first team. But once once they get that running game going, the the holes in the, in the back end open up for, the, for Baker to throw in. Yeah, and Eric, you know a thing or two about being a number one wide receiver and being a number one wide receiver in Cleveland. What do you think happens with Odell Beckham Jr.? Because, of course, he had the injury last year. He's been rehabbing pretty vigorously from what we see on social media. But as is the case with Odell, there always seems to be these whispers that he could be moved or he could be dealt. What do you think happens there? And how do you think this situation you know, progresses for him in Cleveland and him with Baker Mayfield if he winds up staying there? You know, for me, I, I, obviously I can't see the future and I'm not in the, in the front office to make those decisions. But if, if, if it were my choice, he would definitely be on that team. You, you, don't, you don't give Ferraris away. 
you know, and, and become become a, a better team. I think with the way uh, that they're running the offense, he can still make a lot of plays and he can be the guy to stress the defense. If you if you look at last year, I think they may have had uh, one play, one pass play over 75 yards and that, I mean, over 40 yards. And that was a 75 yard touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones on a, on a double move. You know, Odell, is one of those guys who can just take the top off without the double move. And so I, I look forward to him and being there. I look forward to him being a guy who, who buys into the to the situation because they they won 11 games. And, they, and, 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 he, and they've proven with Stefanski when he was in Minnesota that you can, you can run the ball and then play action guys and have a lot of catches like he did with Adam Thielen and uh, Stephon Diggs. And you talk about that wide receiving core. If Odell is back and healthy and you have Jarvis Landry and you have a weapon in Peoples-Jones, that's a pretty dynamic supporting cast for Baker in that offense. And you talk about how these teams are now building around young quarterbacks. You see the Giants trying to do it in New York with bringing in Kenny Galladay. You look at what the Chiefs have done surrounding Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and they just keep adding and adding every year. It seems like the core is there for this Browns offense. I think so. I mean, like I said, I think it's just a matter of everybody getting the reps in together, you know, being able to expand the offense. And I, and I think there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to do that. And so I'm really looking forward to this coming year because, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of a lot of high hopes. People are putting a lot of pressure on them just based on last year. But you still got to go out there and play. And I think these guys now know that they can play with the best teams in, in the league and, and are look for, looking forward to it. Yeah, I think we saw that down the stretch last year, right? And especially in the postseason and what they did to the Steelers. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. But, you know, you look at that young talent on offense, and I don't think that it's evident more so anywhere else than at the running back position. And the Browns are really one of these franchises. And there's only a few of them in today's NFL that really values and depends on the running game, quite frankly. If you're sitting in the front office, how do you prioritize locking up these young players long term? What do you do with Nick Chubb? What do you do with Kareem Hunt? Well, Kareem's already signed, right? Good point, right. Kareem's already signed. So if, if it's me, I'm taking care of Nick right now. I mean, because he, he the offense goes how he goes. I mean, granted, you have Kareem, who's a, also a starter in this league, but, but Nick is the guy when we're talking about ground and pound. And so when he gets back there, uh, defenses know that they have to load up for him to try to stop the run. And that's when the passing game opens up. So if it's me, I'm taking care of him now. Can teams still win a championship with that ground and pound and dual running attack? Or or is there value in maybe trading a Kareem Hunt and trying to get an asset to build build out another position? I, I think when it all uh, is said and done, you can't win unless you can run the ball. I mean, you know, everybody thinks it's a pass happy uh, league, but in the bottom line is teams are running the ball when, when they need to. Tampa did it this year. The, the Chiefs did it last year. When, you, when it looks like they're throwing the ball a lot, they're still getting those runs in, those big runs in that are, that are changing the game and changing the way the defense plays against them. And so I think you have to have that, that, that run game, and then at the same time, you have to be able to stop the run. And, you know, for all the fireworks on offense and all the talk about the star power on that side of the ball, the thing that really kind of flies under the radar, in my opinion, for the Browns. And, you know, there's a lot of talent on that side is the defense. And, you know, in free agency, they've done a really nice job of finding value and targeting their biggest positions of need. You bring in Tack McKinley, you bring in John Johnson at safety. How much better is that defense going to be next year? 
Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, everybody talked about how they, they like you said, they weren't that good last year. But I mean, it's hard to stop people uh, in, in the NFL th these days, the way they spread people out. But I think they did a nice job when it when it mattered. And, you know, there, there are a lot of people who weren't playing uh, out there. Uh, and then I think they, like you said, they brought some guys in who will fill their needs and then they're getting people back. And so I'm, the sky's the limit for these guys. It's just a matter of getting together, learning the system, and going out there and playing in between those white lines. Where do you think they go in the draft? Because, you know, they've addressed some needs on defense, but I look at that front seven, and Miles Garrett is one of the two or three most dominant edge rushers in the league right now, in my opinion. He's young, but he's one of these guys where he's one cornerstone, but I think they need to go find another. You know, maybe a, a kid like Jason Oway out of Penn State or a Quiddy Pay out of Michigan or a, a dominant pass rusher on the other side of that line is that where you think they should go or what do you think that the plan should be in the draft outside linebacker edge type guy who, who can who can do both I, I think that's that's the way to go I mean you got like you said Tech McKinley coming in but at the same time you need somebody who's going to be there for a while and 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 be there with miles to take the pressure off him so if you can go get a guy who's uh who's high on the, on the list as far as the edge rusher I, I'd say go get him especially with the with 26 pick what do you think Miles' ceiling is? Because, you know, when he's fully healthy, I think he's one of the, the five to ten most dominant and gifted edge rushers in the league. But you saw what happened a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh in the Thursday night game. And, you know, last year it seemed like he was slowed down by COVID once he came back, but still played at a really high level. How good do you think he can be for the rest of his career? I think he can be great. I mean, prior to COVID last year, uh, I, I felt like he was going to win the defensive MVP. Because he yeah. was on, he, he was on a tear and sacking sacking the quarterback and, and doing everything right, uh, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, and then the COVID hit him and it, and it kind of slowed him down. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to this year. I think he's going to be uh, one of the, the great ones and, and have a big year again. You know, I look at the Browns and I put them kind of in that that second shelf where the Chiefs are kind of the top shelf. If you're at the liquor store, they're the the Johnny Walker Blue. They're the, you know, the $150, $200 bottle of scotch. But then you go one rung below there and you have these teams in the AFC that are chasing them. And, you know, I think the Browns are right there. I think the Ravens are right there. I put Buffalo on that second shelf. But, you know, how close do you think they are to giving the Chiefs a real run? You saw what happened in the postseason and, you know, they took the lead early in that game. But with that, that you know, blown call down in the end zone there kind of took the wind out of their sails in the divisional round. But how close do you think they are to really challenging Kansas City and making that leap? First of all, what's funny is the fact that we're even having this conversation, right? After <laughs> after after years passed when they were they were in the in the in the mat in the in the basement of the, of the league, and now we're having this conversation. But I I, I think they're close. I mean, you know, it, it comes down to uh, during the season, you got to win every game you're supposed to win, and win a couple games you're not expected to win. And I, and I think they have the team that can win all the games they're supposed to win and win some games they're not supposed to win and then go, go out there and, and, and make hay. The, the, the hardest thing about it is getting into the tournament. When you get into the tournament, anything can happen. And I think they have a team, they're building a team that can, can, can go a long way. And I know that going into Arrowhead when it's 10 to 15 percent filled is, is a lot different in the postseason than going in when it's, you know, the sea of red and it's chief kingdom and it's, you know, 70,000 people and they're doing the chant and the tomahawk chop and the whole deal. But how much does that experience winning the game 
the previous week in Pittsburgh, going to the divisional round. How much does that kind of build for them and help them in 2021? I think it builds a lot because they know that they can go into an opposing stadium and, and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and not beat the Chiefs, but put the put fear a, of God in them a little but, bit, but, yeah, you know, <laughs> a fight where everyone thought there was a chance that it, it could go down. And so, and like I said, and if, if they win the game that they're supposed to win, win a couple that they're not supposed to win, the situation could be reversed and those people could be having to come to Cleveland. And so that's why they got to take care of business. Yeah, and be honest with me here. I mean, I know you wore that uniform for a really long time. I know the rivalry and how bitter it is between the Browns and the Steelers. You're sitting there. I don't know if you're lighting up a cigar, if, if you're sipping some Highland Park. I, I don't know what you're doing, but you're watching the Steelers and the Browns and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and the Browns just run them out of their own building. How satisfying was that for you? What was that, what was that like for you emotionally, watching that back in January? Uh, I, I felt like I was playing. I mean, because that's, you know, I always said, if you're going to win the AFC North, generally you're going to have to beat the Steelers. It's just, that's just the way it's always been, even when it was the, the Central. You, have, you were going to have to beat the, the Steelers in order to win that division. And so to finally uh, to beat them in the playoffs, and, and, and granted, everyone says no one played against the, uh, the Browns, the last regular season game. And that's why they got in the playoff. You only can play who's on the schedule and who plays in the game. And, and the bottom line is you have to go win games. And so for them to, to beat them twice in a row, I think that that matters. That That is a confidence builder for not only going into trying to play the Chiefs the last uh, playoff season, but going into this year because they know that they have a team that, is, is there for the taking. Like they, can, they can go out there and win a division and have home field if everything goes right for the Browns. And, I, and I'm looking forward to that, that happening because I know these guys have confidence. Now I know uh, Andrew Barry and Coach Stefanski and those guys have, are put a, putting a good organization together, a good team together that can go out there and compete and, and win a lot of games. You know, watching the Steelers over the last month of the season, it seemed like that Wednesday afternoon game against the Ravens kind of broke them. And I think losing Bud Dupree was one thing, but watching Ben Roethlisberger age what looked like 15 years before our eyes over the last three to four weeks and then in that playoff game, watching what Cleveland did it really felt like those were two franchises going in opposite directions. Now the Steelers are a class act and Mike Tomlin is a great head coach, but I, I don't know if you get the same sense I did watching that game and just watching what the Browns have done the last couple of years, but it felt like the gap between the Ravens and the Browns and the upper echelon in that division is a lot narrower now than the gap between Cleveland, the Steelers and the Bengals. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, like you said, watching that playoff game, uh, for me, to me, it just looked like, at that point, the Steelers were slower than the Browns. Everything just looked slower than, than the Browns, and, and I don't know if it was, I mean, they had a lot of injuries and guys weren't playing and, and things like that, but at the same time, when you when you get in a, in a playoff game and, and you, one team looks that much faster and, and on top of things, you have to wonder, wonder why. Right. And like you said, the gap, the gap is closing. The, 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 the Browns aren't the same team that they, they were two years ago when when they didn't win any game. They've acquired a lot of a lot of players. 
Um, guys are finally stepping into the roles that they are expected to, to be. And, and when you have that and a, and, a good, and a good leader, things turn around, they turn around quickly. And so now, now uh, the challenge for the Browns. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. It's to be able to, to keep that momentum going. For sure. And I think, you know, speaking of turning things around quickly, I think we've really started to turn a corner with the pandemic, with people getting vaccinated and, you know, help is on the way and more vaccines are on the way, you know, and, and the big news out of the NFL in the last couple of weeks is that the draft is going to be an event this year. It's going to be in Cleveland. There's going to be people there. How excited are you for that? And, and are you going to be involved? You're going to be in downtown Cleveland. Are you going to announce the Browns picks? What, what, what's going through your head coming up on draft weekend in, uh, in Cleveland next month? Oh, I was, you know, I was excited because I was thinking, man, the draft is in Cleveland and I'm not even going to be able to go. And, and, and so, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be involved in, in any way, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a once in a lifetime thing that I, I just feel like I just want to be a part of. So if, if I'm given that opportunity, I will definitely go because, you know, once again, you, you'll never, we'll never see this again. Absolutely. And the NFL does a really nice job. I covered the, the NFL draft when it was in Philly and Chicago, which was a great time in Nashville. I'd never been to Nashville and just spending a couple of days there and seeing that city and seeing the impact of, you know, half a million people or whatever it was on that main drag on Broadway with the stage set up. It just seemed like a really great event for that city, just like it was in Philly, and just like it was in Chicago. But I feel like that Nashville event and what they're planning to do and hoping to be able to do in Cleveland has the chance to be a really big deal. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all that kind of stuff, just hanging around downtown. I could just see all the, the stars coming in and everybody in Cleveland just loving it because this is the time that everybody really starts to get hype for the upcoming year. I mean, you, you, people look back, look back at what happened to their teams in, in the previous year and like maybe you won some games and maybe you didn't, but when you when you get to the draft, people are thinking about we get this guy, we're on our way. And so this this is what makes the the football season fun. This is the, to to me the start of the the football season. And and, it, and it's and it's going to be a fun time in Cleveland. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I like I said, I I want to be a part of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's really the launching pad into the next year. But, you know, the most important question of the interview coming up right here, it's starting to get nice out. It's 70 degrees and sunny here. I'm not sure what it's like in your neck of the woods. It's the perfect afternoon for me when I'm done with this conversation to go out and light up a cigar. What's in Eric Metcalf's humidor right now? What, what do you have on hand? What's your go-to at the moment? Right now, um, I'd probably go with a Monte Cristo too. You know, it's, it's, it's only nine, it's only nine fifty here. So <laughs> I, not that I wouldn't smoke at this time, but I got to go work out first. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the cigar with the coffee is underrated. I'm a big time cigar with the scotch guy at night, but the cigar with the coffee in the morning is not a bad move either. See, I don't drink coffee and all my friends and all my friends talk about, I'm, I'm a tea drinker. Okay. I'm, I'm a tea drinker. And so, I mean, my friends talking, I see everybody on Twitter with their, with their cigars and their coffee and everything. I'm like, ah, that's, that's just not my deal. <laughs> so I just wait, work out. And then I just go, uh, 
uh, with a stick and some scotch or bourbon early. My man. When I, when I, I want to be Eric Metcalf when I grow up. Let's be real here. So, <laughs> you know, the, the Monte Cristo Epic is one of my new favorites. I'm a big Ashton VSG guy. But for people who are just getting into cigars or somebody like me looking to broaden my palate, what's maybe an under the radar cigar that you like a lot that, you know, when you see it in the shop, you say, you know, I'm going to go grab that and I'm going to light that up this weekend. You know, I, I like the, uh, I like the cigar by my father. I like the uh, Tatawais. And so those, when I go, when I go places and if I don't have my own sticks, I, I usually look for from one of those two uh, to grab if I'm uh, at a spot. I'm going to have to get me some of those. Eric, this has been great. Um, final thought before we go, what's been the biggest surprise for you across the NFL this offseason? Uh, you know, I, 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 I think uh, I, I think the fact that uh, the Raiders let all their linemen go, that, that's kind of that's, that's kind of that was kind of weird to me. I mean, there, there's so many things that, that have happened in, in the season. I mean, you got the, the Bucks have the ability for them to basically keep their entire team together after winning the Super Bowl. And, and so it's weird, but I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what the Raiders are doing. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, I, that's, that's scratching, I'm scratching my head about. Yeah, I tend to agree. And it seems like, I don't know what the Raiders are doing year to year. And I don't know if they're ever going <laughs> to round the corner with John Gruden as head coach, but Eric, this has been tremendous. It's been insightful. It's been fun. I'm going to go have a cigar in a little bit. Hope you do as well. And go ahead, everybody, and follow Eric Metcalf on Twitter at Eric Metcalf 21. Eric, appreciate the time, brother. We'll talk to you further up the road. Hey, thanks for having me. That was Eric Metcalf. Check him out on Twitter at Eric Metcalf 21. Great insight on the Browns. And I'm going to check out his cigar recommendations. Absolutely. And on the other side, we'll continue to break down some of the quarterback moves around the NFL, dive into the move the Eagles made to reposition themselves, not just in this year, but next year's draft and what they have going on in their quarterback situation with Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco and what might be coming down the pike. So stay tuned. Keep right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside fansided.com, stacking the podcast feed. Welcome back. And we're going to wrap up the show kind of where we started it, talking about everything that's gone down in terms of this blockbuster trade with the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. And of course, the Philadelphia Eagles then shortly thereafter jump in and they make a deal with the Miami Dolphins and they move back from number six to number 12. And there are multiple reports, including from ESPN's Adam Schefter, that the Eagles tried to get up to number three, targeting Zach Wilson to draft as their next franchise quarterback. And the price was too steep. So they decided to move back and part of the package that the Eagles got in return was the Dolphins first round pick in 2022 and that could be really interesting and you know you look at the Eagles situation and they signed Joe Flacco as a veteran backup and Flacco seems to believe that he has a chance to become a starting quarterback this year depending on what happens with Jalen Hurts but the Eagles overall might not have their quarterback of the future on the roster right now but they have a good chance of getting it next year. Because if you think back to that Carson Wentz trade, the conditional third-round pick that they acquired in that deal can become a first-round pick if the Colts make the postseason or Carson Wentz plays 75% of the offensive snaps. And either one of those things would net the Eagles a first-round pick. So they would then, if that converts to a first-rounder, have their own first-round pick in 2022, the Colts' first-round pick in 2022, and the Miami Dolphins' 
first-round pick in 2022. So Howie Roseman wheeling and dealing, and, and I don't think that the Eagles are going to be a team that competes for much of anything in 2021. I think it's a Herculean ask to expect Jalen Hurts to make a big leap. I don't know that they have the horses at wide receiver. I think Miles Sanders is a really nice piece at running back, but I don't know that that's enough. I think their offensive line needs to stay healthy, and you saw what happens when they don't a year ago. But if you think long-term in terms of the future rankings of the NFC East, the Eagles propped a window open a little bit here if they can get a quarterback next year and either have the ammunition with those three first-round picks to trade up into the top two or three if they're not picking there already to take a quarterback or add some dynamic weapons around them in 2022. So Howie Roseman's playing the long game. And another franchise that might be playing the long game here is the New York Jets. Because as we touched on earlier, they sent their top three decision makers to BYU to to watch Zach Wilson throw. And that's one of two things. It's either a a very elaborate smokescreen to draw other teams into trying to trade for that number two pick, which became a lot more valuable now with San Francisco going up and trying to wait in the catbird seat at number three to take the leftover quarterback or they're legitimately interested in Zach Wilson. And I tend to think this year in the COVID-19 impacted draft season that it's much less of a smokescreen and much more about interest in Zach Wilson because unlike in years past when teams could send an area scout and a head of scout and the head coach and the offensive coordinator and for a really big prospect, the GM could show up in town This year, you're only allowed to send three representatives, and the Jets sent the three most important decision makers in their organization to BYU. To me, that's telling. To me, that's doing your due diligence on a franchise quarterback, and to me, it's the right move. It's the right move if you want to throw someone off the scent, but it's really the right move if you're trying to decide with the number two overall choice if you're going to take Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or... If the gap between Sam Darnold and Fields or Wilson is just too wide that you're going to stick with Darnold, you need to know. And you need to know sometimes by watching them in person. And that's one of those deals this year where I think who shows up at Pro Days really matters. And one of the Pro Days that really had an electrifying show, or as Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin called it, a freak show, was Penn State's Pro Day. And every year, it seems Penn State head coach James Franklin and strength and conditioning coordinator Dwight Galt do what they need to do in the weight room to get their guys to show out, whether it's at Pro Day or the NFL Combine. They won the Combine gold medal a couple years ago with the, t- the performances turned in by Saquon Barkley and Chris Godwin and Mike Kosicki and Troy Apke and all of those guys. But this week, in an offseason where there is no NFL Combine, They put on a show in Happy Valley on Thursday afternoon, and you look at Penn State's draft class, they might have three first-round picks because we all know that Micah Parsons has a chance to go in the top 10, maybe top 15, but Jason Owe is a guy who is really intriguing, a guy who didn't have a sack this year as an edge rusher, but you talk to scouts around the league, and I had an AFC scout tell me that he had a first-round grade on Jason Owe last year going into the 2020 season, and he still has the first-round grade on Jason Owe, and Owe went out and ran the 40-yard dash at Penn State's Pro Day in, in just a blaze speed at 4.36 and Parsons follows that up with a 4.39 that's the kind of athleticism and the kind of testing that turns a lot of heads in the NFL those are the kind of numbers that boost draft stocks and push people higher up the boards than maybe 
they originally would have been drafted. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Owe and Micah Parsons both go off the board in the top 15. And this was another pro day where who was there matters. And the Giants sent three of their most important decision makers to Happy Valley on Thursday. Head coach Joe Judge, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, and director of college scouting Chris Pettit were in the building. That tells me that they're eyeing a couple of players, whether it's Owe or whether it's Parsons. The fact that you sent three people with that much decision-making power within the organization to Penn State says something. And again, it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, so maybe it's just convenient to go up there and get a look at three potential first-round picks. Maybe they like Pat Fryermuth if he falls into round two. But to me, I think the interest is very real in Micah Parsons. And you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they sent... Mike Tomlin, they sent their tight ends coach, and their tight ends coach was working out with Fryermuth. And I think Fryermuth is a guy that will be an ideal fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They need to get a weapon in Ben Roethlisberger's arsenal. They need to upgrade their pass catchers. And you look at Fryermuth, who's drawn a lot of comparisons to Rob Gronkowski, I think he'd be a great fit there. But the moral of this story is who shows up at Pro Days matters. And 31 teams were in attendance at Penn State, two head coaches, Mike Tomlin and Joe Judge. And in BYU, the Jets sent their GM, their offensive coordinator, and their head coach. To me, that tells you more than just a smokescreen. That tells you these guys want to get a firsthand glimpse at guys that they might wind up drafting or have a lot of interest in drafting. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks to Eric Metcalf. Tremendous conversation with him about the trajectory of the Browns. Thanks to Highland Park, my good friends. They were kind enough to send a bottle of scotch my way. And believe me, I enjoyed it. You will too. And of course, thanks to Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. If you like what you heard on the podcast, please subscribe. You can find this in the Apple Podcast Store. Search for Stacking the Box and NFL Podcast. Same deal for SoundCloud. Leave us those five-star reviews. Let us know what you like about the Matt Lombardo Show, what kind of guests you'd like to see me try to get on the Matt Lombardo Show, because I want to try to get the kind of people involved in the program that you want to hear from. And thanks, as always, for listening. You can find me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next week, right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside Fansided's Stacking the Box podcast feed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.